0: Did Jesus give us the Lord's Prayer just to have us recite it over and over? Or is there more to his words? Dr. Mark Job.
1: You are approaching a loving father that has known you better than anybody else knows you and that cares about the details of your life. Wow. Bye. Wow.
0: Welcome to Moody Presents with our teacher, Pastor Mark Job president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Today, we're talking about prayer in our continuing series, Deeper Beyond Shallow Spirituality. You know, Jesus' words are actually a rather powerful example of what, how, and why we should pray. You and I have direct access to the Lord of the universe. Think about that. Well, today we're in Luke 11, and you know, it's the most concise book in the New Testament, when it comes to the basics of prayer. Many people don't know how or feel guilty that they don't pray enough. Maybe that's you. Well, this is how to get started. In part one, we'll discuss what to do when you want to pray. We'll also look at the nagging feeling that maybe you don't pray enough, or maybe you aren't quite sure how to pray. All of that coming in today's message. Pastor Mark outlines the Lord's Prayer as an example of how you and I should pray here he is with part one Uh,
1: if you go into Barnes & Noble or a bookstore you'll see uh, books that say computers for dummies or carpentry for dummies it's sort of the the, you know how to get started and and I could entitle this message prayer for dummies but I decided not to Um, because really this is sort of how to get started in praying and some of you when I talk about prayer already you're like oh no because there's two things that happen when I talk about prayer. Number one, immediately a whole bunch of people start feeling guilty because you feel like, I should pray more than what I do, but I don't pray enough. And if I were to ask for a raise of hands of you that say, I, I want to pray, but I probably don't pray enough, I would say probably 99, 98% of the people here would raise their hand and say, I need to pray more than I do right now. The other thing that comes to mind to some of you is you feel like, I want to pray, but I'm not sure I know how to pray. In fact, some of you, when you think about prayer, you think about a written-down prayer that you recite, but someone else wrote, and that's your idea of prayer. In fact, some of you, if I were to say right now, I'm going to randomly choose a person to stand up and pray in front of all of us, some of you immediately would develop a sense of fear inside of you because you would stand up and the blood would go out of your face and you would get a little dizzy, not because the Spirit has overcome you, but because you're terrified and fearful because you're not really sure you know how to pray. And so... Today I want to talk to you about, out of Luke chapter 11, you can look it up in your Bibles, Luke chapter 11. I believe Luke 11 is the most concise, simple yet powerful passage on teaching us the basics of prayer than any passage in the New Testament. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 11 says, on one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I believe they were asking Jesus to teach them to pray because his disciples had just observed how Jesus prayed. And I think they watched how he prayed and saw that he prayed with such earnestness and intimacy, such power and connection with the Father that they wanted to know how they could pray like Jesus prayed. Have you ever done, seen someone do something so good that you say, teach me how to do that? Uh, some of you ladies or men that are cooks, your grandmother has cooked something that is so so tasty, that after you're done eating it, you say, Grandma, could you teach me how to make this dish the way you make it? It is so good. Those of you that are musicians maybe uh, see someone uh, play a song or, or do some chord transitions that are just amazing, and you're so impressed with it, you say, Hey, can you teach me to play like you do? These people had watched Jesus pray, And they were so struck by how he prayed, so impressed by his intimacy and the power of his prayer after observing him, that it was that same kind of enthusiasm and spirit that said, our prayer is nothing like the way you pray. We want to learn to pray like you pray, Jesus. And so Jesus decided, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And Jesus then begins in this short passage here, he begins to explain the basics of prayer. And I believe he teaches them them what to pray, he teaches them how to pray, and he teaches them why to pray. So what, how, and why. Let's begin with the what. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, does that prayer sound familiar? It sounds familiar, but it sounds a little chopped up, doesn't it? It sounds a little chopped up because this is not the only place that it's found in Scripture. It's also found in the book of Matthew, where Jesus also taught his disciples to pray. And what I want you to understand is that Jesus did not quote the same words in Luke as he did in Matthew. The prayer is a little bit different. You ask yourself, why? Well, because Jesus was not teaching us a prayer to pray. He was teaching us a pattern of prayer to pray. In fact, in Matthew, if you look at the Greek translation of the the wording of it, Jesus says, and pray after this manner, or after this pattern, or after this way. He didn't say, pray this prayer. He said, pray in this pattern, or this way, and this manner. Now, how is it that Jesus prayed, and what was so unique about this prayer? Well, I want to break it down for you in a simple way, and here's what I want you to understand. If you learn to pray, not this prayer... But if you learn to pray in this pattern, I believe you can go from praying, from struggling with praying only two to three minutes to actually praying over a half hour and not even realize that you were praying that long. Okay? So I'm talking to those of you that have tried to pray, get on your knees and you start praying. And you last about four minutes. Then you look at your clock and say, wow, it's only been four minutes. And, and now you kind of run out of things to pray for. And so you're, you're, you're just sort of bringing your mind back to trying not to stray, but you find it very hard to pray. Jesus taught us a pattern of prayer. If, if I were to break down this pattern, I would break it down into six points. They all start with P's so that it's easy for you to remember uh, this prayer. Uh, I believe that this prayer has our position, our priorities, our provision, our people, our protection, and our praise. You can break down what we call the Lord's Prayer into these six points. Now, some of you that have prayed the Lord's Prayer, you're very familiar with the Lord's Prayer, and you love the Lord's Prayer, which you should love it. But oftentimes when you're asked to pray, what you do is you simply repeat the Lord's Prayer and count how many times you repeated it. And you think, well, I've spent a lot of times in prayer. But in essence, what you're doing is you're just repeating the same prayer without even thinking about what you're praying. Now, I understand some of you were raised in traditions that way. But I want to take your prayer to a much deeper level than simply reciting a prayer that you've learned. If you look at this uh, prayer... First of all, it starts out by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start with your position. Notice that Jesus refers to him as Father. As Father. Why Father? He could have called him Almighty God. He could have called him Lord of the universe. He could have called him Sovereign, Mighty One. But he refers to Father because Father establishes that he is a son and it establishes, it defines our relationship. Listen, when you go to pray, you need to understand you are approaching your heavenly Father. Fathers, if they're healthy and not dysfunctional and not broken down, fathers typically want to hear their children. They love their children. And so you establish the relationship, I am your son, you are my father, and there's a relationship of intimacy, of access to the father. Uh, there, is, there is this relationship that goes all the way down to our birth. That he has been there all along. He knows us better than anybody else knows us. He was involved in bringing life to us and he has been involved in our life since the very beginning. You are not approaching a stranger. You are not approaching a disinterested party. You are not approaching some huge, majestic, detached being that inhabits the cosmos and the universe, you are approaching a loving father that has known you better than anybody else knows you, that loves you more than anybody else loves you, that has been involved in your life and has traced your story, that has never left you, never abandoned you, that has always been there, and that cares about the details of your life. Wow, father.
0: That's Mark Job, and you're listening to Moody Presents. You know, Mark has just begun to scratch the surface of today's topic, prayer, and there's a whole lot more coming down the pike. You know, apart from the Bible itself, which of course is our ultimate guidebook, I don't know of anything that brings more perspective to the Christian life And quality Christian books, books centered on the person of Jesus. And if you're looking to go deeper in your spiritual walk, Moody Publishers is here to help. You'll find lots of resources from Moody Publishers Christian biographies, books for kids, Christian living books, books on prayer, Uh, just an amazing assortment of resources. And we think you'll be greatly encouraged by what you find at Moody Publishers. There's a link to their website at moodypresents.org, moodypresents.org. Do give a click to that Moody Publishers link. Well, back to our study now as we make our way through the Lord's Prayer, and we're turning to the rather unusual old English word, hallowed. We don't use that very much these days, do we? Well, Mark Job defines it and explains it here on Moody Presents. Now he says, our Father
1: who art in heaven, it's the place where he reigns, out of celestial heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now for years and years, when I was a child, I had no idea what hallowed meant. Hallowed. That's kind of a weird word, isn't it? Hallowed be your name. The only other word that I, in my child's mind, could compare to it was "hollow." And so I thought, well, you know, tree is hollow. You know, what in the world does that mean? The word hallowed comes from the word holy. By the way, uh, the word Halloween, you know, the word Halloween that we have in the uh, English language, uh, it actually means Holy Eve. Years back, it came from... Uh, where, where they honored, uh, they prayed for the martyrs, the saints that had died before. So it was the evening before the holy day which they celebrated martyrdom and saints that had died before. So it was called holy, the holy evening, right? Uh, that word hollow comes from the word holy. Holy comes from the word sanctified. In essence, what Jesus is saying is, My Father who art in heaven, your name is holy and sanctified. The word sanctified or holy means set apart in a category unto its own. So in essence, you're saying, my father, you are in heaven, but your name is like no other name. There is no other name like your name. You are set apart in a category exclusively to your own. You are higher than any other gods. You are more powerful. You are in a unique category that no one can even touch. That's what you're saying. So when I pray the pattern of the Lord's Prayer, I like to talk about the names of God. I like to rehearse. I like to say, you are Jehovah Rapha, which means that's a name out of the Old Testament, which means God, my healer. I I like to say, you are Jehovah Jireh. The word Jireh means God, my provider. You are El Shaddai and Elohim, that talks about the sovereignty and almightiness of God. You are the Alpha and Omega, which means he's always existed, he's always been. You are love, God. You are mighty. You are merciful. You are omniscient. You are all-powerful. You are that God. And so it leads to a time of praise to God. Ultimately, all of your prayer should start by addressing God and blessing His name and thanking Him for who He is and your relationship to Him. Do you realize that you have the ability to speak to the God of the universe? No, no, no. You you, you haven't even heard what I said. That the maker of humankind, the Alpha and Omega, who has never had a beginning, who has never had an end, who has never learned because he's always known, because he's omniscient, who's omnipotent and has power over all things, who is the God that spoke and created the worlds. He is omnipresent that you can never escape his present. He knows the future. He dictates the affairs of man. He is holy and unapproachable. He cannot be seen by human eyes, for we would be consumed if we saw him in our human flesh. This God, almighty God of the universe, you can talk to him every day and have access to him. Talk about connection. What a privilege. Then the second thing is not only our position, but our priorities. Then we have been taught to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The very first request that we make is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought through what exactly you're praying when you pray that, but you're, pr- you're praying the priorities of God. And here's what you're praying when you pray the priorities of God. You are in essence saying, God, you reign, it's your kingdom. But I want your kingdom the way it is in heaven, I want it to start manifesting here on earth. Now, if you've ever studied anything about heaven, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no sin, there's no rape, there's no murder, there's no bigotry. There is no sun because the glory of God shines. There is no tears because there's really nothing to be sad over. Um, There is no death, and that is the kingdom of heaven. When we say to God, when God rules and has his full rule, that's the way things are. Now, what we are praying is, God, we want what is in heaven to be manifest here on earth. We want your will and your justice and your goodness to be manifest here on earth. And God, we are praying that the kingdom of heaven would begin to establish itself here on earth. And we ask, first of all, kingdom of heaven, that you would establish yourself in my life. I like to pray first for me. Then my marriage, my kids, the church, the community, the nation, and the, and the nations. And so here's how I pray. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done, but start first of all in my life. I don't know about you, but does your life get off track sometimes? Does your attitude get off? Do, 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 you, do you start thinking the wrong way sometimes? And so periodically we need a course correction. It's like looking at a compass and realizing we're going in the wrong direction. So I pray, God. I want your will to be done in my life because my will sometimes steps in, and I want my will, but I subjugate my will to your will. And if my thoughts are wrong, my attitudes are wrong, my words are wrong, God, I submit them to you. I want to align myself with you, God. I want your will to be done in my life. God, come kingdom of God. Will of God be done first of all in Mark, Job. And then I expand the circle, and I pray for my marriage. God, I pray that your will would be done in our marriage between D and I. God, come kingdom of God, let us have the communication and the love that we need to have. May we function as one. May we be a funnel of blessing to our children. God, may you bless our marriage. May we walk in the center of your will. May may we model what Jesus told us we would that we are one and that we would love each other that way. God, may it happen. And then I pray for my kids, and I say, kingdom of God, let us splash over into my children's lives, and I pray if their hearts are uh, astray or or, or if there's an area... correction kingdom of God come will of God be done in their lives let blessing splash into them then I pray the next thing I pray for is our family the family of God our church God will of God be done in our family and the church let your will prevail God if there's lies that need to be corrected or right if there's things that are distorted or wrong God come kingdom of God then I pray for our community then I pray for our nation then I pray for the nation's There's something powerful when you pray the will of God upon your life. Kingdom of God be done. He starts correcting and changing and turning things around and making the crooked straight and making the broken heal and beginning to alter things and courses. Come, kingdom of God. You're praying a force, a governance of God to come and establish itself in your life. And then we pray not only... Do we pray the position, the priorities, but we pray the provision. Notice what he says. Give us this day our daily bread. What are we praying for, bagels and wheat bread? No, that's not what we're praying for. We're praying for our finances. Bread is symbolic of provision and source. I run into some Christians that are nervous to pray about money or finances. I feel like, well, I can't pray about that. Kind of carnal to pray about that. I shouldn't pray about that. There's a, there's a lot of other bigger things to pray about. Let me tell you, God has taught you to pray about your finances. That in God's pattern of prayer, you should be praying about your job, about your finances, about your income, about how you manage it, about how you are satisfied in it. I believe that you should be praying Uh, over your finances, over your checkbook, over your job situation, over your employment situation, that you have the right and ability, in fact, you have the call of God to pray about financial matters in your life. That it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Give us this day our daily bread. What you are saying to God is, God... I want to have enough provision to meet the needs of myself and my family and have enough left over so that I can be generous and give. And I don't want to live in a cycle of greed and materialism because my heart may stray, but I don't want to live in a cycle of poverty and indebtedness because my heart may stray in that way also. I want to be in a place where I have sufficient to meet my needs, sufficient to be generous, sufficient to live in abundance, sufficient to give to the kingdom of God and and, and mission things, and sufficient to honor you with my life and my provisions. So help me in that area. And that may lead for prayer for your job, for your savings, for your investment, for your business, for whatever it may be. But you have the ability and the call to begin to pray over your finances. How many of you feel a little freer to do that now? How about it? How about it? You need to start doing that, not be afraid of doing that. That's your, that's God, God says, do it, call, pray for it. And in so doing, you are acknowledging that God has a hand in all your financial matters. So you pray position, priorities, provision. Oh, 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 okay, now it's getting hard. Now you pray for people. Because the next prayer says this, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, or forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us. Let me tell you, now you're praying for people. Here's what I want you to understand, listen to me well, this has to do with forgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Here's what I discovered over the years, that the biggest thing to clog your spiritual life is a bad relationship with people around you. Here's what the Bible teaches us, that we are to forgive and listen. When you don't forgive and release people, then what happens is it begins to bottleneck your relationship with God. So you don't receive like you could receive. You don't hear like you could hear. You don't receive because the funnel gets clogged with unforgiveness. And that's what Jesus taught in Matthew when he pray, when he taught us to pray. This he says, "But if you don't forgive those who have sinned against you, then your Father in heaven cannot forgive you either. Not that God doesn't want to forgive us, but if I'm living in sin, God." God can't release me from the sin until I stop the sinning or ask forgiveness from the sinning and that means I would have to forgive are you tracking with me so you say well how often pastor do I have to forgive well every time you pray you should be forgiving well how often should I pray well in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 it says pray without ceasing So if you pray every day, every day you should be asking that God would clear your relational clutter. In other words, every day you should be clearing things out of your system like hurt and unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment that you have towards people. Every day you should be clearing it out.
0: Next week, Pastor Mark will teach us how to pray using the words of Jesus. It's the second half of our message titled Prayer 101, and you don't want to miss it. I'm John Geiger. Hope to see you next week for Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.